Welcome to the Table Church. Again, uh, I'm one of the uh, pastors here, Ramon, and uh, I want to share with you just a few things before I move forward, a few um, announcements. So number one, there's the next, the next Steps track, which is always after service. Um, if you haven't been a part of them, well, there's no time like the present to get involved. So there is one today after service, and that is discover your purpose. We want to help you figure out what are the next steps that uh, you can take to find out what God is calling you to and how can God can use you. Uh, so if you'll stay with us, I believe there's pizza, uh, which might be another calling card to help you kind of stay. But yes, discover your purpose will be right after the service over here in the fellowship hall, and there's an office space right there, a living space right there. All right, number two, Christmas celebration service at 1030 uh, in this building um, at 5 and at 5 p.m. Uh, in our downtown building. Uh, and so that is next week. Yes, next week. And then, so we, all, we want to invite you to come on out next week and enjoy our Christmas celebration. Everybody getting amped for Christmas? Let me hear you say yes. yes. All right, all right, all right. And number three. Uh, we will have a special Christmas Eve service at our downtown parish on December the 24th, that Sunday at, 9, at 8 p.m. It'll end at 9.45, and that's at G Street Northwest. Again, that's our Christmas Eve service downtown uh, at 8 p.m. on G Street. So that's on the, the uh, December 24th date, all right? We hope to see all of you there. We're going to have a big crowd. There's going to be some wonderful music and some awesome decorations and just a great, great, great time together. So come on out. Let's be a family together and celebrate. Can we all do that? Say yes. Yes. All right. You sound great this morning. Cool. All right. So I've been asked to uh, bring the word this morning. I hope that's okay with you. If not, take it up with Pastor Kevin. Let him know sometime later. <laughs> I'm going to use my phone because I like to use my iPad, but I forgot it. This, well, I didn't forget. I have technical difficulties with my iPad this morning, so I'm going to be using my phone, so I'm not texting. I'm really just looking at the notes that I have, all right? Oh, let me just send this one last text. Oh, no. <laughs> cool. Uh, and so we're talking about waiting in this season. I have a scripture. You all know I'm not always great at getting my slides in because I just like to talk and have a conversation uh, so let's do that. I'm going to read the scripture and then we'll do a prayer. The scripture I want to read for you, if you have your Bibles, is in James and it's chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Again, it's in James chapter 1, 2 through 4. And I see a few folks that are looking for it. I have an old buddy pastor who says, if you're looking for it, let me hear you say, I'm on the porch. Well, okay. Let me know when you get in the house then. <laughs> uh, but we're looking for James chapter 1. Two through four. I hope that you guys have your coffee and your tea. I'm not going to be long before you long. We're just going to have a brief word and we'll get out of your way. While you're looking for it, let us pray. God, thank you for this moment and this day, this, this hour, this time, these seconds that we'll never get again. Help us to use it wisely by listening for you and what is sung and spoken and what is done this morning, God. God, show up. Decrease me that you might increase. Speak a word to your people, including me. Help me to sit in the congregation and listen to what the Holy Spirit is sharing with each one of us. And may it speak to each one of us in our individual situations and then help us to move into a collective situation of just worshiping you. God, we love you. Amen. Amen. All right. So James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. My brethren... That's us. 
my brethren, count it all joy when you fall, everybody say fall, into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let me hear you say patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Everybody say patience. patience. That's what we're going to talk about today is patience. I want everyone to follow me and use your imagination for just a few seconds. So if you need to close your eyes, that's fine. If you want to keep your eyes open, that's fine too. But I want you to use your skills of imagination and let's go somewhere. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that you were born black. <laughs> Some of us, it's not too hard to do. <laughs> All right. But no, 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 really. Imagine that you were born black and into slavery. And you're the youngest of 13 children. Imagine that by the age of 10, most of your siblings are gone. They're sold off to other plantation owners. You're not allowed to take advantage of the resources of education, so you do your best to learn. You hide. You find books wherever you can. And as a matter of fact, the slave, your plantation owner has a son the same age as you, and so the only way that you can learn is to go to him and ask for help. He shares his books, he shares his knowledge, but that's the only form of education that you are able to have. So you do your best running risk all the time of trying to learn, knowing that if you get caught, the moment you're caught, you too will be sold to someone that you don't know. Well, at age 13, you're still imagining that it actually happens. You get caught, and when you get caught, you're beaten by a whip. Your back is bruised, the flesh is open. I want you to feel the whip as it goes across your back, all because you were simply trying to educate yourself. But after you're beaten and found out, you were then sold as property. And by the age of 15, you were sold more than three times over. Is you're imagining, imagine yourself questioning, where is God? You're struck trying to understand, is there a God? Because you're trying to believe, why does God allow this to happen to you and your family? Continuing to long for an education and freedom, you decide to risk your life as an older teenager and you make a break for it. Yearning for more, you escape from slavery and find yourself enlisted in the army. You become a captain pretty quickly and finally start your real education. And you finally find freedom while you're enlisted and you begin to make a paycheck even though the world is against you. You're eventually united with your mom. but you continue to face the lack of opportunity, the evil you face daily, even though you risk your own life 
for your country on a hot day, you're looking for water, and as you look for the water, you have to walk about two miles because every water fountain that you pass looking for water says whites only. And so for two miles, you desire to taste the cold water that you cannot find, all because the country that you serve and you put your life on the line for will not serve you like it serves everyone else. And so you are still fighting until you get two miles down the road. And finally it says, for Negroes only. But that water fountain barely gives any water. And it seems that for every blessing that you find, there is a setback. You're faced with the choice to complain about God, allowing wonderful blessings to those who seem to be privileged. And accepting that you are less of a human being or you have to celebrate the obscure moments of complex optimism and exercise only one of the freedoms that come with the highest capability of disappointment. And that's the freedom of choice in choosing to have hope and faith in a God and that God's love still loves you through the test, trials, tribulations that can easily make you believe otherwise. You're still imagining this choice believes, this choice to believe, to, to trust God eventually leads you to a college degree. You're a, you're a black man and yet even though the world is against you, the calling for you to become a pastor, it, it, it manifests itself and you're ordained in the Baptist church. This, this is the story. You can open your eyes, you can come back. This is the story of Alan Allensworth, a person, a slave, who was born into slavery and went through losing his family and being sold off to different plantations all because he wanted to choose education. He wanted the same privilege as those who he saw around him who were able to enjoy the privilege of God's blessings. Alan Allensworth became an ordained pastor, a church planner, an author, a chaplain, a delegate, a school teacher, a university professor, the first black lieutenant colonel, and eventually planted his own town in California, the only colony in the country that became the first built, operated, owned, and inhabited solely by black folks. Allensworth, though faced with extreme adversity, chose to practice patience and endurance and built his faith by trusting the possibilities and not in the circumstances. And so today, on the second day of Advent, the second Sunday of Advent, the question I have for you is, are you willing to wait? Are you willing to trust God? As we approach the celebration for the Christ, for the birth of Christ, I've oftentimes struggled, do we, the church, truly do a good job of letting our congregants understand what salvation and redemption really is, what the birth of Christ really was, how people waited for the Messiah to actually come? What does that really mean? In our obsession of materialistic consumption, and idolatry of false precepts, are we overlooking the value of the very version, birth, of the Savior 
of the whole world, of the king that still lives today. During the days under our rule of sin, back when Adam and Eve got it all wrong, messed up a little bit, it caused us to live in sin. It caused us to fall from God's love, great love and compassion, and we were stained with death. We had nothing to look forward to but death. And so we were called to make sacrifices during the Old Testament. You'll see a lot of people were making sacrifices. One time, I think I preached before, we talked about Abraham having to be called to sacrifice Abraham's uh, son. God calls him and says, look, take your son, offer him up as a sacrifice, because God is always trying to get our attention. God is always like, do I come first? That's God's question. Do I come first? Because even with, and it's so funny, before I left this morning, there was a guy on preaching, and he said, he uses that same passage about Abraham, and he said, Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, because God always is questioning do you put God first? You'll recall that in the New Testament, there's a moment where uh, someone comes up to God. God says, come on, go with me. And the man looks at God and says, look, but I got to go bury my father. And God says this, 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 this thing that shakes me up, uh, Jesus. Jesus looks at the man and says, look, let the dead bury the dead. But you come follow me. God is always trying to make sure you're not putting anything before God. That means your family. This is why Abraham was called. I was like, Abraham, okay, I gave you this son. I promised you this son. You'll have a son. Abraham waits for years because at this point, Abraham's like in his 90s and Sarah as well. You women in here know what it's like to, to, to get to that age where it's like, I don't know. I need to go find me a husband because, uh, you know, things. Are, but, but Sarah is like, okay, you know, because when, when, when God speaks to Sarah, God's like, okay, I'm going to give you a child. Sarah laughs. She's like, <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like, she's like, but God's like, no, for real, I'm going to give you a child, right? And so God's promises always come to pass. And so Sarah has the child. But when they have the child, after many, many years of waiting, right, God is like, Abraham, now that you've had your child, go kill your child, sacrifice him to me. <laughs> Seems like a really harsh question. Or quite, you know, like, God, you've got a sick sense of humor, right? But okay. Abraham doesn't doubt. Abraham's like, okay, I'm going. But the reason why, and the pastor said it this morning, the reason why I believe that Abraham went and was okay with sacrificing Abraham, uh, his son is because Abraham trusted God. Abraham understood, okay, I'm going to go do it. You know why? Because I believe that we're going to come out of this thing together. That's a lot of faith. That's a lot of faith. And so there's this proclamation. Isaiah says back in the Old Testament, is they're waiting for Christ to come. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Do you believe that Christ is coming? This is the season that we're in. The proclamation of Isaiah must be recalled because due to the fall of humanity and us into sin, we were doomed to death. And no matter how many times we performed one of those sacrifices, we just couldn't seem to find ourselves getting it right. We were always messing up. God was like, okay, every time you said, I just need you to think about, go get a lamb, go sacrifice the lamb because I need you to prove to me. And this wasn't just any lamb. I think I spoke about this a little bit before when I was preaching to you, but... 
right? This lamb are these things that we sacrifice were things that we kept. Okay, hold on. Let me talk. Let me, I'm talking to 2017. Our dogs. How many, how many owners in here have pets? I think I've done this before, right? Right. Your pet. How many people got a, a decent job that they really enjoy? All right, yeah? How many people got some family members that just did it, like, you love your family, you love your family? God is saying, go sacrifice that which is closest to you. This is what God is asking the people to do. Because you are sinners, you need to prove to me that I come first. So that thing you just raised your hand for, and if you didn't raise your hand, just find something you really, really enjoy, okay? But God is saying, take it and sacrifice it. Some of us, it's our, it's, our, it's our clothes. Some of us, it's our, it's our Jordan. Some of us, it's our computers, our Macs. Some of us, it's our makeup, our Mac makeup. I mean, whatever that thing is you're tied to. I see I got a head down here. Yes, that's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, whatever you're tied to, God has told his people over and over to sacrifice it. But the proclamation comes out that one day, there is someone who is coming that is greater than all that will sacrifice himself for you. For you, for you. That's the story of Christ. It's the hope and the promise that at some point this Savior, this King would come and free us from the stain of death. But can you imagine waiting for that? I mean, how many dogs do we have to go through before Christ finally comes? How many things of Mac makeup do we have to go through before Christ finally comes? How much sacrifice do I have to make before the Savior has arrived? God, how long must I wait for the Messiah to come? This was the question. I wonder how many of us find ourselves in the same situation. I wonder how many of us are burdened with our own problems. I wonder how many of us are wondering what's the next choice. I wonder how many of us are wondering where's my next meal coming from? Where does the next, the next bill get paid? How do I sacrifice and make for my children? How do I live for my elderly parents, my grandparents? How do I get through to the next day? How long do I stay in this country that's trying to get rid of me? The people of God were called into a season of waiting, much like pregnancy. Nine months of yearning for one of the best blessings of life, giving life. And thus, the birth of a king was just that, giving of life. I like to think of pregnancy as this. I like to think it and ha- uh, sort, of, sort of compare it to patience and waiting because I, I look at pregnancy meaning, or patience, meaning you're valuing the expectancy or the pregnancy in order to appreciate the birth. There's something about valuing the, the nine months before you get to the birth because you're expecting something so great, but if you miss it, you'll miss the joy of carrying the baby. Is a woman, is a man, you miss the joy of your woman carrying your child and enjoying the moments that come before the child is born. That's the point where you've got to be the closest. The connection needs to be the strongest, and if you blink, you'll miss it. Don't miss the moments of waiting. Back to the story of Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, who lived as a carpenter. But much like that of Allensworth, who we spoke of earlier, Jesus himself was beaten and bruised for wanting to do that which was right. Yet Jesus endured understanding that's a bigger picture than just the immediate gratifications. And so Jesus lived through the abuse, the non-justice, 
The scripture says that the race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but he who endures until the end. And we recognize that Jesus would in fact endure until the end. Jesus understood under the crack, the very same crack of a whip that Allensworth endured and the piercing of his skin by the nails that hung Jesus on the cross, that greater is still coming. This moment is killing me, but greater is still to come. Jesus' choice, even facing death, the obscurities of death, was that faith in God's ultimate plan to save our lives by Jesus' life being taken. Our passage again on today, James says, My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Could Jesus count it all joy when he was whipped? Could Allensworth count it all joy when he was being whipped and abused and beaten and torn down? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, knowing, not guessing, knowing, not doubting, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This very passage can not only be tested and proven by Jesus and Allensworth, but in this very room, there are those of us who are battling depression in this season. There are those of us who are unsure of our jobs in this season. There are those of us who are unsure of our families' lives, and even those who trust, who are questioning our security and our living situations. You're not sure if you'll be deported or able to stay in this country. Perhaps you already know that you're going to be deported from this country. And yet this is the basis of the scripture. These trials are not ending. Waiting is somewhat the joy. Why? Why is waiting the joy? How do, I, how do I find joy in the waiting of uncertainty? How do I find joy in the waiting of obscurity? How do I find joy in the not knowing? The answer is that it requires the foundations of your hope that you must have faith in God and not yourself. It's the wisdom to trust that God is real. My beloved, we are not called, this Christian walk is not a fairy tale for you to always receive the best of the financial things, the best of materialism, the best of shoes and clothes, but it's the long walk of faith that even when faced with adversity, when our privilege is taken from us, that we will find joy in the pregnancy of hope and faith. It's in the waiting. It's in the battle. It's in the uncertainty. The scripture says this, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Proverbs 3, 4 says it like this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in every one of your ways. Acknowledge God and God will direct your paths. Do you really, do you really believe in what you say? Because those, pay attention, those who oppose the church, 
Those who hate the church, I'm pointing to you, not the building. Those who hate you, the church, they do so because we have done a bad job of misguiding them and leading them into the fantasy of Jesus being Santa Claus. We have. Jesus is a give you whatever you want. Pray it, claim it, it will come to pass. Jesus is going to give you that house on the hill. Jesus is going to give you that mansion. Jesus is going to give you the Jaguar. I really do hope he does. No. <laughs> I really do hope you do. But Jesus is going to give you. Yeah. <laughs> We've gotten to the place where Jesus has become a fairy tale and Santa Claus. But Jesus, if you recall, Jesus had to suffer. And many of us, if we're real with ourselves, we do too. Be transparent. As a pastor, I do too. Talking to Kevin, I know Kevin does too. We have our faults. There is none of us that don't have trials. And we, the church, do a really bad job of painting the picture of if you choose Jesus, you choose the happy life. But it's not always happy. We're not always the people that we act like we ought to be because Jesus also causes us or calls us to suffer. And Jesus lives and lives that we might think of him as we wrestle with the bad energy of this world. He trusts that his Allensworth never gave up, so it will be with you. And that in this season, you will be reminded of what's true. That you'll teach your family and your friends, your co-workers, what's real from what's fake. That they will see it's not the fact that you don't have issues and turmoil, but that you have learned that the joy of the Lord is your strength. A very present help in times of trouble that you have the peace that passes all understanding. On Jesus, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My question to you this morning is, are you called to wait? And do you understand the beauty and the joy in waiting? It hit me very hard. There, there are those of us who sometimes we don't have a relationship, and, and relationship is something I'm very big on. Louise came into my life a couple of years ago, young El Salvadorian kid who really is an American kid because he was brought here when he was five, not knowing anything. And we have a, a, a group of us, a group of guys, we get together every couple of weeks and we sort of just do a, a prayer, we'll do a talk. Uh, and then there are a couple of groups that I have like that. JP is a part of it sometimes. We just sort of share with each other what's happening with our lives. We just want to be in relationship with each other. Over the last couple of times that I met with one of those groups, Louise was sharing his story of how he knows nothing but America. He was here since he was five. And yet, at this very moment, he's in jeopardy of losing the visa that he's on, even though this is all he knows. And the, the subject of immigration became one that I became much more aware of through his testimony. As a matter of fact, my parents, if I'm very honest with you, my grandparents did not understand. We, that was always the talk about, well, I don't understand the Spanish culture. I don't understand the Latino culture. And it wasn't until Louise came around that my family said, oh, I really like him. He's a cool kid. I guess I'm starting to get it. However racist it might have been, <laughs> they still 
found a relationship which made them closer. And now as we talk about America and the situation we're in with so many people losing or possibly losing their right to live in this country, my folks who did not understand it at first have become avid believers. We got to do something. Why? Because we don't want to lose Louise. And it became apparently clear to me that I will never understand what it's like to not be accepted by the place you call home. That's my privilege. I have to understand my privilege because not everyone gets to live in my privilege. This morning, I beg to question, possibly you've been living your life thinking that God is great because God gives and God supplies and God is Santa Claus and God is the fairy godmother and God is always going to give and you get upset when God doesn't give. But this morning I have come to tell you that there is a joy in the pregnancy process of waiting and trusting in God because you never really understand your faith until you are allowed to trust, to wait, to go through the battle. That would have never been the Allensworth Park colony for people who did not have a privilege if Allensworth had not chose to trust in all that Allensworth went through. Slavery could have killed his hopes and his dreams. When his mom left, it could have killed his hopes and dreams. Being separated from his family could have killed his hopes and dreams not being afforded. Education could have killed his hopes and dreams. Not finding the water fountain to drink out of could have killed his hopes and dreams. You are being battled. You are being put down. You have been let down. And the church doesn't always seem to help, but you are the church. God has called you to trust in God, not everybody else but you. Are you willing to choose to have faith through the test and the trials and the tribulations? Because that's the joy of trusting in God, whatever you're dealing with this morning. Whatever you're facing this morning, whatever your struggle is, this is the moment you've been waiting for that God is saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to let go of yourself. I need you to let down your pride. I need you to get rid of all of you. And like Allensworth, and like Jesus, I need you to trust me even if it doesn't look the peace. Last thing, the peace that passes all understanding. This is the joy of waiting. When the disciples were on the boat and the winds and the waves were crashing, much like the winds and the waves are crashing in your life, and the disciples got scared and they panicked, and Jesus was asleep at the bottom of the boat. And the disciples were, come on, Jesus. You know, like you see the winds and the waves. There's water getting on the ship. What's going on? You say, you're the savior of the world. I mean, come on, help. Jesus was a little annoyed. Gets up and says, oh, ye of little faith. Time and time again, I have proven myself over and over, and here we are again. And here go the winds and the waves, and they're crashing in your life. And you, little old youths, yet again. Oh, my God, it's the worst thing I've ever been through. Jesus gets up, walks to the end of the boat. He's like, all right, all right, if I got to deal with this, let me deal with it. Move to the side. Wind stop. You know, Jesus is like, okay, done deal, going back to sleep, peace, right? 
That's the peace in the middle of the storm that Jesus is saying, I need you to have that kind of faith. The faith that even when the winds and the waves are crashing onto the boat, you don't have to worry and panic because I am with you. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's not easy. I can only imagine what it might feel like to know that I might not live in the country that I call home. But that's where we as believers have to encourage our family. That's where we have to remind people there is a thing called joy, there is a thing called faith, and mostly there is a thing called Jesus. A person called Jesus who has already worked it out. No matter what it is, no matter where you end up, God is there. God is here. God is in you. God has already made provision. You just need to trust. The greatest thing about Jesus was this, and I'm done. Jesus chose to trust in Jesus, even unto death. Jesus chose to trust in God, even unto death. The question is, will you do the same? Amen. Let us pray as the band comes forward. You can sit or stand, either one. <laughs> I'm sorry. What do we pray? God, we are just grateful. We're grateful, we're grateful, we're grateful, we're grateful, even in the times of adversity. God, we are so often consumed with our worry. We're so often consumed with concern and fear. But God, this morning, we want to acknowledge our true salvation that calls us to trust in you. We acknowledge that we no longer have to sacrifice the animals and the, the things on this earth because you We've already sacrificed you. Give us the hope and the faith to believe that we are responsible for that sacrifice. That because of your sacrifice, because of your endurance to the end, we are set free. We are no longer captives of death. But that hardships are still going to come. Pain will still come. Help us, God, to know and to count it all joy when sorrows hit because we know that it's just a test and a building of our faith. Help us to exercise our muscles of faith that we totally depend on no one but you, not even ourselves, God. Yet give us the wisdom to make it through. Help us to know that just like the disciples on the boat, we no longer have to worry, but you are already there in our situation. And that if we call on you, you will show up and show out. God, we'll be careful in this season as we celebrate the waiting of your birth to acknowledge it before we acknowledge anything else. We'll be shouting out loud to our coworkers and our friends. We will no longer live in the shame of our faith, but we'll shout it to the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is about to be born. And this is the reason for the season. We'll do it with a smile, God. Because we love you and all you're going to do for us. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Let us all say, Amen. Amen. Amen.